You're listening to the Wall of Sound podcast, and we are back after quite a long break, uh, a few months or so of delays, complications, but we're officially back into a regular recording, and we're returning with a very special episode to mark the halfway point in the year. Today, I am joined by a lovely cast of people who I'm actually going to formally introduce, so if you're getting into this podcast for the first time or you've kind of forgotten who everybody is it's a little refresher so as always my co-host is eli martinez hey eli is a uh, is coming in from la uh he's a drummer and a drum teacher as well and plays in the band old notes who are like what a pop punk emo type band you gotta you've got you've got, you got, you got good like uh modern baseball vibe to you yeah yeah i think so and they're dropping I mean, it kind of kind of hurt my heart that you said pop punk but okay well okay don't try, don't, try, <laughs> don't try to deny it you're on the emo side of pop punk it's good. real oh. fake emo trademark <laughs> yeah true i'll go with that don't be ashamed of it it's actually good um and you guys gotta have an ep dropping soon that you uh you're in the process of re- recording right absolutely we're we're in the middle of recording right now actually we're recording our guitars tomorrow Woo! so get stoked for that um and another frequent guest on our podcast is the lovely matt hiles thanks for having me anytime matt's from baltimore he's a certified audio engineer musician and an avant-garde music enthusiast and also a (laughs) producer he's uh you're in a group uh, a trio called the four of us are dying yeah don't do the math it hurts (laughs) um which makes some great music. You can check them out on their Bandcamp. Uh, and a previous guest who's joining us again for the second time is Ben 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 Bentley. Hello. Who's uh, who's a master chef and meme enthusiast from Alabama. Anyways, we're transitioning into our awesome episode this week, which is the best of 2016 so far. Pretty much, we're not trying to create uh, the definitive list of the best albums that have come out this year. We're just talking about our favorites, what we've been listening to the most, what we uh, what we personally believe are the best. But don't hate us if we don't mention your favorite album, because there's a lot, and we're only halfway through. Um, but we just want to recommend some good music. So let's get let's kick it off, shall we? Let's kick it off right. Yeah, we'll do it real good this time. Let's let's start out. Let's start out with Eli because you're you're always first, and and why stop now? That's true. I mean, why why would it ever be different now? Um, you know, okay. I'm I'm not gonna start in the order that I put my picks in because that's not my order of favorites. My yeah. no no my pressure first... to rank them, but just <laughs> my first pick is uh, is Coloring Book by Chance the Rapper. The hype thing about this album is that it actually just has, like, this, like, big, huge kind of, like, gospel aura throughout the entire thing that, like, other albums don't really have. They kind of, you know, like, a lot of albums, you know, recently that are just kind of, like, half-assed things are, you know, about girls and money and, you know, things like that. And this album is really, really heavy about, like, his influence from, like, his religion and from, like, his, uh, his, you know, his baby mama and his new kid and you know his it, like it all wraps up into this tight bundle of like warm tones and and 
soft melodies and then also some really hype tracks too yeah it's it's a very positive album from what i've heard um it is it is very very positive actually there's even the song blessings which is just straight up him talking about how blessings are falling in his lap because of his faith and because of how loyal he is to his his beliefs it it does catch a lot Especially of flack for like, that at the same time though um a lot of people at least with the number one criticism is that the whole album is just about about god and about uh faith and whatnot and uh you know people kind of wish he would go back to the old chance which while i do have my issues with a uh, coloring book I, I would say that's not really too fair of a criticism like it, it's it seems like a good topic for him and, and a good thing to at least center like just one album around mm-hmm. it's it's ultra light beam point two times like 15 yeah <laughs> especially in the uh, blessings in that one part where he talks about how his ex became his baby mama like even yeah though that and... whole song's positive he has a positive outlook on something that could have been uh detrimental to him you know yeah yeah definitely he could have it could have been a totally different thing about how he like shunned his ex for having this kid and he's like it's not mine but he's he you know he even says like my ex turned into my baby mom and now I want to make her my everything. You know, it's like he really, he really wants to, to, to sort of own up to his own, whether or not it was a mistake, you know, it, but it, it's, it's a positive outlook for him. And that's a really cool thing. It is. And what really, really interests me about it, and this is kind of a conspiracy for me, but it, it really reminds me of, um, Swish. Or, like, what the life of Pablo was originally scheduled to be. I don't know how well you guys mm-hmm. followed it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, um, Chance, right around that time, was in the studio with Kanye. And Kanye was like, yeah, um, Chance and I are working on an album. It's going to be, like, a gospel album with a lot of swearing. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what Coloring Book became. And the mixing is actually very similar to the life of Pablo. So I'm curious. Oh, I know like, this, this conspiracy. Much, yes. I'm just very curious. Like, I didn't know that if this was a thing or just something that I personally thought, but, um, it's, I'm really interested about how much of an influence Kanye had on that album, and I actually like Chance's interpretation of Kanye more than I liked Kanye's pick this year, uh, if that ends up being true. Ooh. Interesting. I don't know. I like it. It's, it's Chance kind of taking that sort of, like, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, like, ultra light beam type Kanye, but yeah. sort of putting it in a much Very more grandier. traditional con, exactly. But using it more for like a grandeur of his faith or his yeah. gratefulness, as opposed to like his self worth. And I really appreciate that perspective. Now, I, I'm probably the only one in here here that has serious beef with this album, which kind of comes in the form. If I'm going to pick a, apart one thing, it's that every single song, with the exception of like maybe three, has a feature on it. Uh, and it's a pretty prominent feature to the point where like I'm getting halfway through this album and I'm thinking like I barely heard chance on this thing <laughs> like it, it, it's it's so dominated by these features which at the same time kind of waters down the meanings of the song because like chance is in there and he's like you know he's singing about God and faith and like positive things and then you get like Lil Wayne who comes in and just fucking just raps about whatever uh but I do, I do like it, um, just kind of on its own. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to it, but like once I finished with Coloring Book, I just went back to like uh, Acid Rap. I went, went back to Acid Rap in Ten Day and just enjoyed oh, and was reminded was... by how good. My, my you know favorite what, though, chance you know... is still uh, the uh, fucking collab he did with what's his name, 
No bass traps. That's, that's a good song. Oh, oh, he did, didn't. Yeah, he did like a split with Lil B. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, he yeah, did. He did a whole tape with Lil B. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember listening to you too. You know what? You know what? Though going back to this album, though, like you know what I really enjoy about this though what? is uh, is the feature from T Pain, and nobody really says that often, but I love T Pain. <laughs> Like, with all my heart, because, like, that dude used to be an alcoholic, he used to be, like, a sex fiend, and, like, but now he's, like, a wholesome dad with, like, a wife and kids. Yeah, he's definitely a big dog. Yeah, and he's he's also, like, a really amazing gospel singer. Yeah, I've seen some videos, he's fantastic. Yeah, so, like, that's why it was really cool when, like, when, like, Finish Line, uh, Finish Line Drown kind of, T-Pain's, like, vocals, like, really, like, emphasize, like, the whole positive thing because like that's more of t-pain's feel now even though like you know like his songs are still about the same thing but mm-hmm. like that's that's kind of how i perceive t-pain as a person now so like it kind of makes it more of a positive thing for the album and i really like that a lot but um yeah so what about your next album there buddy uh my next album i don't know if i'm gonna break it up but i think i think since we've been talking about kanye so much i'll mention that my second pick is Life of Pablo. Um, that album. <laughs> I, I, have so, I have so much beef with your picks. I'm sorry that we started off on this note where I'm just contradicting everything. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, I mean, it's the discussion, you know? Yeah. I, okay, I love the Life of Pablo. Liam, you of all people know how much of a Kanye fan I am. Yes. Um, especially with, like, the first episode we ever did was where we fought about Kanye for, like, an hour. Yeah, and we're going to do that again. <laughs> But it's, you know, it's like, so everything, I, I mean, not everything I feel like he puts out is good or like, you know, like, like, a, like a amazing or fantastic, but I do really feel like this album, like as wacky and as weird as it, as it is and how, you know, how many twists and turns that kind of go through it. And the fact that he used like pirated software only to make the album, um, you know, and then like, there's like weird, like the silver surfer intermission Stuff like that's like really like weirdly unnecessary, but also adds so much character to the album, which is just literally him having a conversation with somebody on the phone. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like it's it's a really cool kind of just like joke, or the same thing with like uh, with I love Kanye. Like it doesn't fit in the album at all, at all. But like everybody needed that song, and everybody yeah. knows how great that song is because it's literally like him realizing that he's a meme. Yeah, it, no, it's it's him just addressing like all his haters in just the most hilarious and real way, uh, and just yeah. and just getting it so spot on. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, but like that's the thing about this entire like album, and and the same thing with like um, with like the features that are on this album are really weird and cool. Um, if you guys remember back to the original version of the Life of Pablo, said so before it's updated, how terrible the uh the autotune was on kid cuddy's voice on father stretch my hands part one all the autotune on that album was like especially with highlights and lowlights just like absolutely oh just God, i hate all i hate all the autotune on that <laughs> yeah it's yes, so good yes. now though uh, um, just, just, let's, uh, yeah continue let's also let's also remember that he got one dude that like to like feature on the album that like basically doesn't exist anymore which is frank ocean and then, like, yeah. he also got, like, a retired rapper to say three words on it, which is Andre 3000. No, uh, Andre 3000 is officially back in the game. He's recording new stuff. 
but yeah, it, it, it's been rumored that he was going to make a comeback for like a long time. Uh, but the fact that Kanye got him on uh, as a feature is kind of awesome. I would really like to talk about um, how I think that Kanye is legitimately going crazy. Yes, he is. Going and not crazy. even I, I, no, but I don't even mean like in like a oh ha ha you know like the fame's getting to his head kind of thing. No, like he's no, legitimately he needs to go to a psych ward. Yeah, no, because like I think like after that after his mom died, I just. You can notice it in, like, his music and in his interviews. He just became, like, this, like, slowly, like, just, like, deranged individual. And I'm really scared for him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think that's part of the evolution of the character that makes Kanye. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't Have know. Have you seen that, uh, that interview with Dylan? Yeah. Like, the remix version? Yeah, no, you, I, you don't even need to watch the remix, just watch the original shows. I, I totally have, but my thing about it is, when you look at his business decisions, though, and, like, how... because he's, he's got a first, whole team of businessmen. No, but what I'm saying is, like, he's clearly, I don't know, when I look at his decisions, like, yeah, he's gone off the deep end, but how much of that is Kanye, like, even on Life of Pablo, he, like, realized he's a meme. So how much of that is just, like him doing the death grips thing and being like well you expect me to be ridiculous so i'm gonna play this up in public and Mm. make it like part of the kanye character because we know he's a persona but he's gotten way too carried away with that to the point where it's probably happening uh, alongside some insanity and they're both playing into each other anyways yeah probably uh, a little bit (laughs) moving on to that bleach off his t-shirt you know oh my god moving on to eli's third choice Oh, my third choice is super not hype compared to everything else. It's a uh, Holy Ghost by Modern Baseball, and uh, I've been a long time Modern Baseball fan. So, like this album, the fact that it's very mature, and the fact that they've kind of realized that they can't make the same four songs anymore is um, good. You know, so they kind of their lyrics are very mature. Yeah, I mean. I liked it, but it's it wasn't like, anything I, I, that like threw me off. Like, oh my god, this is mind blowing. I, like, I wouldn't okay, even say it's like this is modern baseball mature either. Like a lot, yeah. of, like a lot of the songs are just like sure feels not uh, right. about this about the same kind of stuff about you know being lovesick and growing up and missing the old days and see. But that's the thing though is that you think it is, but it's it's like the lyrical content is a, is a lot more than that, especially with like Brendan like. Uh, after he was admitted to like a psych ward for like, or a mental inst- mental hospital for like his bipolar disorder, you know, and like a lot of his like lyrical content is more about his actual, you know, his actual like mental disorder rather than it being about girls and you know stuff like that. And I feel like I feel like at face value when you listen to the song, you're like, oh, these are kind of happy, you know, whatever upbeat like how they normally are with like some sad stuff about girls, you know? So it's like, it's, I think it's, I think it doesn't reflect as much, you know, when you hear like, uh, Jake, like his kind of, you know, like monotone kind of thing. But once you kind of hear like the second half of the album, I was actually going to say like going into this, that I I do prefer Jake's songs. Oh, Jake's songs are infinitely better. Yeah. Uh, I mean like this, this album as a whole, I, I 
want to say it's modern baseball's best um at least from my perspective because because it is it does at least sound more mature it's it's a lot less on the goofy side and it's a lot but like still just as catchy uh and accessible and i think the songs are really solidly written like i, I did enjoy listening to all of them but uh you know i i i wouldn't put it in my, my like my my favorites but i i'd say it's uh it, it's pretty good yeah and yeah. I will say the one thing that I really like about this record, even though I am not a fan of this record, I actually really didn't like it. <laughs> but um, lyrically, a lot of the super cringy moments from like, you're going to miss it all are gone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was just listening to, I was like, instrumentally, it kind of feels like part of that weird post pop punk thing, part of the you know, like you said, with the genre hopping, which was really cool to hear, especially on the second half of the record. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of all of like the moments where it's like, LOL, I'm going to tweet about you and shit like that are gone. And I, <laughs> I really, I really appreciate taking the uh, we know we appeal to 16 year olds. So we're going to write like 16 year olds thing. It, it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that they're revolutionary songwriters at all you know but i mean at least for me when it comes to you know like like they're like kind of like even even the cringy moments that like you know because at one time i was also 16 you know and (laughs) i was also a teenager so it's like those you know for some people me included before i became a music nerd you know, like some cringy moments kind of appealed to me, you know? Yeah, so it's like, absolutely. It just, it, it's at the point where you're in your like mid twenties and you're still writing those kind of lyrics. That it's like, man, you, you guys as yeah. should probably move on. But no, yeah, I, so, I, I, mean, I remember I kind of realized that hearing that stuff and being like, man, I like how down to earth it is. And yeah. how it's just like, man, I have no appreciation for that. That's just like, that's rough. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean now, especially with like the, the fact that they're, they're, they are in the process of growing as musicians and as songwriters. I think it's definitely a, a more of a positive thing than, you know, especially going back to their, you know, first album, Sports. <laughs> yeah, jeez. With, like, Chloe K. I did I mean, you like, I mean but you also know. like Pup, though, so. Who are fucking awesome. Who are Pup also basically superior. a pop punk band. But they're right, also basically still here. Yeah, let, let, let's let's actually go into why I like Pup uh, because that ties let's into let's my... roll on into let's roll on into Liam's yes. top three. Yep. Yes. Um, all right. So my first one is obviously the uh, Toronto punk band, which is really probably play, probably plays into my bias of why I love them so much. Um, but they just dropped their uh, sophomore album this year. Uh, the dream is over, and it's great as expected. Um, what what I loved about their debut, which was just their self-titled, was that it blended. First of all, it, it was such like it was it was a kick in the pants for pop punk and punk uh, in the in the modern scenes. Like it was so like aggressive and noisy, uh, and just like had some actual like punch to it that it was like super refreshing in a time of like real friends and neck deep. Um, but at the same time, uh, being like, you know, crazy melodic and then fusing in like these kind of folky indie vibes at times and some real like dark blues vibes and having like the straight up like thrash metal part at the end of one of their songs. Like, it, like I loved how they combined all these uh, influences together um, and, and like were pretty lyrically great. 
the evolution to the dream is over is like it's not as like ADD in terms of genres like they managed to keep it pretty grounded in like punk uh and like a little bit of grunge and a little bit of um like still having a little bit of blues well it, it, lyrically it's like their most negative like it's straight up so negative uh compared to the self-titled which you can tell from the album name um and just all the songs are just about something terrible <laughs> or just about this pessimistic view uh which is just like insanely cathartic to listen to and is and goes so well with just like ha- their like borderline temper tantrum sound they have it it's just like it's super honest uh but like kind of consistently pessimistic anyways all the songs are super fucking catchy um and also shout out to it for having um like probably the saddest song i've ever heard about a dog whoa that was super well timed yeah, oh it was really actually. Okay. Wow, you could hear me talking about dogs. Yeah, sleep in the heat. It's about Stefan's dog, um, who he got to kind of help him with like this depression that he was going through. Except it only ended up making it worse because like after like a month or two, the dog started dying. And it's just about his like last couple months with the dog, and it's really really fucking sad. That's really funny that you mentioned that song in particular. Because when I listened to it. It sort of reminded me of that System of a Down song, Kill Rock and Roll. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm not, actually. It's a song by System of a Down. Basically, I forget if it was Darren or Serge, but they had this rabbit called Rock and Roll. <laughs> and they let it out to play in the yard, and it just got hit by their friends, like, pulling up in his car. Oh, my God. I, you know, I think I've heard that story, actually. But, yeah it's, yeah, it's sort of like a similar thing. It's like, haha, we're sad. But you know what makes people not sad? Animals. We love animals, and then it just dies. Yeah. And, yeah, it's like, oh, man, animals are cool. Now watch the animal, like, not be an animal. Yeah, watch it be a fucking corpse chilling watch it, there. Watch it just ruin our lives. Like, even, mm. even the intro track is just, like, all about um, how they spent, like, like, two years on the road together of, like, constant touring, like, nearly 300 shows in, like, two years. Um, and it's just that's a, nothing. It, it's it's called um, if this tour doesn't kill you, I will kill you. I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I uh, really it, like that. Is is just like uh, like what one of the lyrics like uh, everything you do and say makes me want to gouge out my eyes with a power drill. <laughs> just like <laughs> uh, just like all, all these like your, your your best friends that you're on tour with and you love them, but it just gets to times where you are just on the verge of murdering them, which is kind of a really hilarious and cool perspective for a song let's uh let's roll into your second pick my second pick anyways is uh into it over its standards uh which i kind of changed at the last second i originally had radiohead's a moonshade pool but as much as i do love that album and think it's actually a better album than standards i've just listened to standards like an absurd amount i i agree uh it's it's so good and it's so it's so listenable it's um for those who are not familiar, he's uh, into it over it, or Evan Weiss is uh, a, he, we'll, we'll call him emo, uh, but he's more just kind of like an indie rock punk artist on this album more than anything. Um, yeah. As much as I enthuse on this album, if you listen to it from front to back, you're going to be like super underwhelmed by the first little bit. Um, yeah. But it, it will, it, like, it'll totally grow on you because I, I love those first two songs uh, a lot, especially from like first of all the entire thing's like uh like in terms of emo pretty boundary pushing um especially on the latter half um 
but in the like you know in the beginning it is more like acoustic-y like you said and just kind of like really well-written songs super catchy just awesome melodies like he's a great guitarist and is really like smart and precise um with with, like everything he writes uh as it like eventually starts to pick up like first thing i notice is how insane their drummer is it's so good he's so like uh like pretty obviously uh jazz influenced but just um boy does that guy know how to like put in fills at like all the right spots like it's it the the beats never feel like kind of barren or stripped down like they're constantly like they're like constantly like doing something or like adding another thing to it and not to the point where it's distracting but to where it like just perfectly complements the song um yes i can go with that yeah especially when it like really gets going um everything comes together he's got these like great arrangements brings in all sorts of instruments the production is super like it's fantastic he hired a guy like especially who did it all like with like no digital manipulation at all it was just all like um like a a very old-fashioned yeah analog a very old-fashioned way of like recording and mixing it and it really shows it, it has like a really organic sound to it it's not cleaned like really cleaned up um but doesn't sound like an amateur recording like it, it's it's got a really uh, neat sound to it um i love that album it's super listenable i throw it on whenever i can and uh it, it, it's yeah it also like you know it hits the emotional chords as well it's got some great uh some great subject matter true and um going back to uh what you were saying about the recording process i know uh we talked a little bit about this earlier personally but I feel like especially with the Intuit over its sound and that very sort of like intimate thing you, he goes for, you know, because he's ultimately a singer-songwriter. Yeah. Having yeah. those little tiny imperfections and hums and hisses and clipping that comes from like just recording analog creates for just a very beautiful and sort of authentic sound. And it works really well with like, how his vocals can be slightly off or his guitar playing can be a little bit unintentionally dynamic. And I just think it adds a lot to the atmosphere of the album in a really, really nice way, which I'm not sure would have happened if the album turned out like as he originally intended. Cause then he go for like through like a ridiculous amount of producers before he found this dude. Yeah, no, he called up like five different guys um, and they were all were busy and he finally settled on, um, this one who was like, yeah, I'll produce it. And he had a great reputation. Uh, but he was like, I, I don't do anything digitally. Like, this is just how I do things. And you're going to, you're going to like it. Trust me. <laughs> you're just going to have to sit and like, have me on tap for like four months to clip everything properly. And you I think know, this guy's really... like a super, like a super veteran. So like it, he doesn't do digital because he doesn't know digital and analog is all he knows. So I'm pretty sure he's just like an absolute expert at it. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, just coming from a recording background, unless you're d- working with mostly digital things, analog is going to suit your sound a lot better unless you are going for something hyper-processed. Yeah. Because, like, due to the frequency manipulation in most situations, analog is more appealing. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of high-end guys go back to it just because the processing is... Uh, naturally more appealing to the human ear even though it's not technically as clean of a recording that's interesting yeah. some insight you only get from an audio engineer matt hiles Squad. <laughs> uh so last album i'm not sure if eli and matt are super um familiar with but ben you mentioned that you you were uh, really into this it's uh malibu by anderson pack 
who is yeah dude i love anderson pack yeah good good this was amazing like when this album came out I was, straight out of oh, nowhere <laughs> i was blown away like, he he got beyond. his start um on J- uh, fucking uh, dr dre's new album as a feature mm-hmm. um and he made his own kind of thing from there oddly enough the production on this album is just like it's mind-blowingly good like for for, oh, yeah. for a modern r&b release like it is just the tightest production i have heard in a long long time and it makes me wonder how much of a hand dre had in it because you know due to his reputation um so it, it could be very possible i don't i haven't looked up the credits so i don't actually know but i wouldn't be surprised if dr dre helped produce a lot of this but it, it's it's just got fantastic arrangements it's incredibly catchy from start to finish uh you just know what super super groovy super danceable like i i, I love the, the this his singing voice it's uh yeah yeah it's it, it's very kind of smoky it's um it reminds me a little bit like it the album itself reminds me like if to Bim- to pimp a butterfly was like a lot more r&b, R&B and like dance focused uh, yeah and, and not as like politically driven but just like fun but it's also because like uh, Anderson Pack has that California sound and, and like that very West Coast vibe to him in general. That's probably you know what though that's, to Kendrick. <laughs> that's kind of why I wanted to. That's why that's what I wanted to mention about like uh, especially being from like this you know this coast, yeah. <laughs> um, like in, in the same area generally. I mean Kendrick Lamar. I think I mentioned earlier Kendrick Lamar actually lives like less than twenty minutes away from me. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> He lives in Eastvale, which is like a city that's like literally twenty minutes south of me. <laughs> huh. um, but um, what do you think? Right, you keep going. I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. But the, other, uh, the 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 cool thing is that you know, like, kind of like within like the last like I'd say ten, fifteen years. Um, you know, like the kind of when it comes to when it comes to like California hip hop and R and B and stuff, it's kind of been really lacking, you know, in like this in that scene. Um, but a lot, a lot recently with like a lot of the breakout artists like Kendrick and Anderson Pack and stuff, they um, they really kind of bring that California vibe, you know, especially with like the references to like certain you know certain hoods and and certain you know like um, just uh, you know just like all. Things, especially like with the, uh, because you know, like there's a lot of Atlanta rappers that mention Atlanta exclusive things, and and you know, like Brooklyn rappers that mention Brooklyn exclusive things. And for a long time, California kind of had this like exclusionary thing for it. And recently, you know, you kind of get like, oh, I know where that church's chicken, you know, is. I know where that is, and it, you know, I kind of get that feeling when I'm standing on Manhattan Beach, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was really interesting, Eli, because like specifically about like pot coming out of nowhere and california rap being dead because like as far back as 2013 he was doing stuff with like bus driver and milo and no can do and uh i don't know but like hellfire club and stuff like i feel like la and california in particular is just like really really good right now for the experimental rap scene and a lot of really yeah. awesome stuff is brewing right beneath the surface yeah oh yeah no i agree i agree but and that's that's why i was saying like you know like um like when it comes to like you know like uh like early 2000s and, and like you know even even up until like 2010 2011 
there was just like nothing coming really out of, you know, coming out of the California hip hop scene that was really worth mentioning. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously that's when, you know, Kendrick started really breaking out with a lot of his mixtapes and stuff like that. But I mean, and that's kind of like, I don't, that's not like a start, you know, but I mean, like Kendrick really is like one of the notable figures to come out of, you know, LA and, you know, that whole area. So, I mean, it kind of makes more, it, it, it's, uh, it's cool that, you know, like, especially with like, with that style of hip hop, with it not being so, it's still radio accessible, I guess, with with Kendrick stuff. But I mean, with hip, with experimental hip hop, it's uh, it's it's really really breaking out actually, and that's really cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, fun fact about Anderson Pack actually, since we're talking about repping California, uh, I mm-hmm. have to give him props for being a, a big fan of a lot of uh, local California hardcore bands. <laughs> Cause, oh uh, yeah yeah is he, he really yeah he well well first of all um he, he's actually a big black flag fan but he's what? also he's also a huge fan of like the cramps and like a bunch of like r- really small bands that like grew up in his local town like he, he said where he grew up like there wasn't much to do other than to just like go to local hardcore shows well it, it, like he, he was he was always like been invested in like the rap scene uh but he like i guess one day he was just like i want to change a pace and his buddy took him to like a hardcore show and he just started like attending a whole bunch since then and has just been like obviously not like a, a massive like gonna go to this is hardcore festival or something uh but like he it, i admire him for having like a place in his heart for it and still like listening to and appreciating these bands and like yeah. them you cool. know also a really a really cool thing a really 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 notable thing actually about him um is that he was re- featured on on XXL Mag? Um, oh yeah, uh, as, yeah, as with like Lil Yachty and like Uzi and whatnot. Yeah, he's yeah he's a part of the the freshman class for yeah. for this year, and that's that's actually a really big thing because that that magazine is actually a very uh, reputable source when it comes to uh, breakout artists. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and he's touring with uh, Bryson Tiller right now, which is really oh yeah to launch him like that's that was a pretty pretty great spot for him to land like yeah when, when he when he started out like I, I couldn't find a single person who listened to malibu but then like uh, the second i showed it to like any one of my friends they were like this is this is amazing like, yeah yeah it's it's impossible not to like this album like straight up <laughs> the only the only complaint i have about malibu is uh on the inter track am i wrong yeah, with uh, Superboy yeah. Q's part in it, it just felt really out of place. Yeah, and just super, that, super short. And it's like, why, why did he even bother having him on that song? He just like, honestly yeah, did not contribute much. <laughs> Schoolboy Q feels out of place on everything that he's in, primarily unless it's like really like ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. As much as I love them, I, I gotta agree. No, I, I mean, I because I mean, I, I like Schoolboy Q, and but I mean, the only songs that I really enjoy that have Schoolboy Q are songs that also have like, um, what you call it, uh, um, what's his face, uh, oh, ASAP Ferg, and you know, and and artists oh, that are kind of like the similar trap style, yeah, you just, know, yeah, trap stuff, you know, I feel you, but no, it's just like him being that trap artist being an yeah. r&b song just really threw me off yeah yeah no, no, that, that, that wasn't a great feature um the, the and even like am i wrong is one of my favorite songs on that album that horn riff at the end is just like every time it's just it's so sweet it's so it's so delicious i love it <laughs> the same way oh, i felt I when mac looking. miller had a feature on ariana grande's song the way oh god 
That's odd. I'm pretty sure Ariana <laughs> you know, Grande was... had a feature on Good Morning, but I could be wrong. I looked mm-hmm. it up, and there's Jerry didn't do anything with it. He didn't. No. Interesting. Wow. I, uh, I don't think Ariana Grande was on Good Morning. Oh man, I, I'm just double wrong. But so um, I was really into that album, actually. It's surprisingly, a great album. <laughs> um, get, well, gain sort of sidetrack though. Um, it, it pack. Uh, yeah, he spent a lot of time in the studio with Dre, like way more than one featured artist typically would. Um, yeah. But he he's talked a lot about um, like hanging out with Dre a bunch. So it, he's he's probably like his new prodigy his his kendrick and i'm really hoping he launches as much because he has yeah he like with malibu like he has the potential to do some like awesome awesome stuff i agree i I totally agree all right um that's all from what about your third pick that was my third yeah (laughs) (laughs) so let's uh yeah let's throw it on over to ben how you feeling about yours okay well for uh my first pick i'll go off kind of in that same area with uh 99.9% because I, when I was looking up the details for Malibu he was actually one of the producers on one of the songs Oh what Katrina? Yeah, Katrina. Yeah. Katrina. He was I feel like that album That's some uh, that's some Canadian really pride right there coming from some... from Montreal. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. He had a that album just had some top tier producing. Yeah. I feel like the only thing I have negative to say about it is just that it feels like a little bit all over the place. No one, two songs have the same vibe to it. But I, I was like actually, that. yeah, I was actually just saying that to Matt before we started the episode. Like, cause Matt asked, um, like, what what is that album like? And I'm like, it's hard to kind of pin it down because like it starts off like a little like electro, and then it goes into like soul and R and B, and then it goes into like straight up trap. Um, yeah. He, no, he, he's an excellent producer, but uh, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty all over the place. But he, uh, yeah, I, I dug. I it. mean, <laughs> for like the album that breaks him out, I feel like he probably could have done better with sticking to one style and not yeah. just having like a portfolio of, of different stuff he can do. But it's it's also like you know he's kind of putting himself out there, like, hey guys, if you need a producer, here's some quality stuff. Yeah. I, 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 for one, I do dig like when, uh, when producers can kind of, you know, hit the mark with like different genres of hip, like different subgenres of hip hop. And I really do enjoy that. Like when they can hit like, you know, like really like dumb trap beats, but then also at the same time, like also just create like this really like yeah wave of just like beautiful, like ethereal, like you know, just like wavy beat, you know, going on. It's a cool, it's cool when, 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 when producers can kind of pull that off. But I think within an album, definitely it's kind of overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when it's not like in any way cohesive or just like, you know, uh, has any sort of progression to it. It's just one thing, one minute and another immediately. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I feel like you pulled it off pretty well. Yeah, I mean, like, the good news is that all those songs turned out really well. <laughs> oh, yeah. No matter the genre. Yeah, so uh, what about your uh, your second pick? My second pick? Uh, I'll go with the the newest Nails album that came out, which is right after they signed with, uh, who was it? They signed with somebody. You know, like it's their Nuclear first, Blast. Yeah, I'm pretty Nuclear sure. Nuclear Blast. Their first, like, actual, like you know, with a record label. 
Honestly, I, when I listened to it, I was really surprised. I was psyched because the teaser tracks, like when they came out and listened to them, is like the vocal uh, performance on those are completely different from the other two. That's that true. Put out. They are. They remind me a lot of like this album in general. Actually, reminds me a lot of like early dying fetus and like that era of like death grind in a way. And it's really interesting. It it's very throwback to that early two thousands like death grindy sound yeah and they really changed the way, like they had that same sound for those two first albums where they're just hard-hitting grimy and just as bad as they could get and just trying to get that sound but now they they're still doing that i mean that's their their goal but they're also doing it in a different way yeah now, I, I really uh, appreciate how they're doing that you know fun fact about nails i saw nails play when i was like uh, what was I? I was like 15, 14. Jeez. Yeah, my dad took me to see them, and it was tight. <laughs> That's a tight show to go to with your dad. Yeah. yeah. And it I was, mean, uh, you, it was... You grew up around this kind of stuff. That's true, yeah. But I mean, like, it was cool, like, because, like, once I, once I saw people, you know, really hyping them, like, after Abandon All Life came out, like, I was like, man... I was at, like, the California release show for Unsilent Death, and it was so nice. Yeah. Nice is the word. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was It I was nice. I don't think nice is the, the best describing term for nails. <laughs> it was you know lovely. What, it was pleasant. Do you, you know why it was pleasant and lovely and nice? Is because they are nice dudes. I'm sure... I, I'm, I'm positive they are. It's just that's not the... <laughs> that, the I guess that's not what they go for. There. Yeah. No, not at all. I listened to an interview and they're like, literally, we have no input onto this, like personally, like what we would want to listen to. We just want to make it as hard hitting and grimy as possible. Like they (laughs) didn't put any sort of personal preference into it. They just wanted it to be to the point and grimy. And they're like, it's the heaviest people, most aggressive music out. You know, when they put filler stuff in it. Good, good album. Good pick. Very, very good. What's your third one there? My third one? I was actually really uh, kind of iffy on this one just because, you know, I, I really, if anybody knows me personally, they know I'm one of the biggest Kendrick fans out there. Mm-hmm. And with him putting that album out this year, I I listened to it like a couple of times that I didn't really get into it. So that's not why I picked it on this next pick. I actually put uh, like Lil Uzi Vert on here because I just when that came out the versus the world like it's it, just the production on it alone made me just keep listening to it you know yeah I know his vocal performance on it and deliverance on it's like completely unoriginal he's basically yeah. future high bitched I uh, <laughs> I really no I really enjoyed the production on this album I just was so bored to death with him and his songwriting. Like he, he he literally like he literally does what every single other trap artist has done and is doing, but it's just like how like awesome the songs are put together and how like um like how much depth the production has like definitely redeems it like tenfold. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah. Mean, he's definitely nothing. To, he does doing nothing new, but you know, just he does it really it's, well. Yeah. You know what's funny is that um, I actually couldn't tell the difference with Lil Uzi and Lil Yachty 
for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, he's more like sing-songy, I guess. Lil Uzi I guess. Uh, put out a single, uh, like, on, like, mix tapes and stuff. And it's, it was, like, it was titled, like, uh, Young Thug Voice. <laughs> it was him just singing like Young Thug. <laughs> because he's basically Young and, Thug. And, yeah, he, yeah he's, and, he's got serious like Young Thug it. voice. And I was like, this literally just sounds like an album he would, like a song he would produce by himself regardless of what he was in yeah. for. Yeah. You played yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you played yourself. All right. Well, if you know what, though? Oh, yeah, no. Although, continue. I just want to make a little bit of side note. Is if you can't if you can't ever you know like step back from taking yourself too seriously and just listen to some really dumb trap music, then can you really even be a person? Yes. True. true, true. <laughs> I, I I I can safely say I like I. Uh, you know, actually, no. I mm. I, I, I like I like some, <laughs> I, I like some trap. I I can like some trap, but it's just like trapaholics mixtape. I can like. Uh, it's it's just the one genre that no matter how much I try to get into, I can never actually say as a whole. I because enjoy, I enjoy trap music. I you know why? Never. Because nobody can actually unironically say that they wholeheartedly enjoy trap music. Yeah, plenty of people do. Trust me, Eli. People die. Oh, I, no, I know, I know they exist, but I'm I'm not. I'm saying. Literally. I was I was told that um, be, because I don't like trap music, I therefore hate black people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's. Damn. That's obviously accurate. You know that, right? Yeah, totally. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, gosh, Canadians well, are harsh as fuck. Oh no, no, it, it it was not a Canadian that said it to me. Um, it was actually it was it was a white person too. <laughs> oh yeah, they they know they know. But I hey, know. <laughs> they know they know. What song is that? They know it's pro- they it's know they know. It's Drake. It's Drake. Speaking of Canadians. <laughs> Anyways, thro- um, let's throw it's it over to Matt. Headlines. Matt, tell us about yep. your your crazy choices, which are awesome. Uh, my first pick, just to get more, in- get a little into it. Um, I'm talking about the Spiral by Pooh Mary. Um, it's the follow up to her 2015 collab with Loke Rebecca. I I really hope that I said that right. <laughs> um, the female form which was basically uh, a noise album about femininity and gender exploration through, like, soundscaping. And it was really nice and really pretty. So following off from that, she did The Spiral, which is her third in a series of trilogies from Passion, which, if you haven't listened to the whole trilogy, they're all absolutely beautiful. It's um, their noise albums and ambient albums just tinged with, like, Aphex Twin-esque, like, IDM and very, like, dark, dark sort of dance beats in the backgrounds that are slowly corrupted in things over time. And just to give you a sort of, like, feel about what this album's about, uh, the the closing track is called The Slow Agony of a Dying Orgasm. Oh, my God. That's so tight. Yeah, It's really interesting. This album is very much, it's very much like, it feels like a love album in a weird way, but at the same time, it's really dark. And to me, it kind of feels like 
Poos Mary's exploration of like sex and sexuality and how that both relates to and separates itself from violence, which just brings up a lot of really, really beautiful, interesting things because there's everything from super clean, nice ambient sections to like harsh soundscapes and screaming like immediately after very meditative, clean vocals. It does go together really well though. Like it it, it all comes together really nicely. Well, maybe, maybe not nicely, but it comes together super effectively. Um, it, yeah, it's it's like simultaneously a horror movie soundtrack and a meditative experience. Yeah, it's it's a very weird headspace to pin down, but that's that shit I like. I, 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 um, I mean, I didn't get super invested into it, but like I threw it on in the background and like, I, as someone who's not a harsh noise fan and is mildly into IDM and dark ambient, like I, I was really, really impressed by it. It's sick. Yeah. And that's the thing. She just kind of like came out of nowhere with this trilogy through post isolation. It was like, holy shit, (laughs) like (laughs) way smarter than anybody in the noise scene or the IDM scene is really like given her any credit for and it makes me so sad hey matt i have a quick question yeah can you can you be like a certified noise artist without ever doing any collabs probably not i mean you yeah, could, i feel like that's but true. you would just be a fucking liar like yeah. that's yeah i don't think you can do it like until you've done a collaboration with like prurian or Mersbau, you're not real noise true <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of collabs, what's your next pick? Oh, um, so I have Full of Hell X the Bodies, One Day You Will Ache Like I Ache, which is better than the new Nails album. It is. I, I fully God, support this opinion. Because <laughs> that was what I was going to pick, because literally when that released, that was the only thing I listened to for like three weeks straight. Yeah, that, that is wow. That I was must have had so hyped about that album. I am pissed off <laughs> no, that you it, got it before I did. It's It's great. Um, but yeah, it's between Full of Hell, who's from my home state of Maryland. Um, they're from Ocean City. This is their follow-up to their collaboration with Mersbau, who I mentioned yeah. earlier. The quote-unquote collaboration. Um, yeah, he just he just sent Full of Hell some noise tracks. He was like, you guys can put blast beats over this, right? Yeah, and then Full of Hell was like, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll just like throw it in at the end of like one or two songs, I guess. Yeah, and then they did um, an EP after its sister Fawn, which um, was like 80% Merzbo yeah. and 20% like Dylan's noise tapes. If you've ever listened, Full of Hell actually has like a series of four noise tapes that are really nice and reminiscent of like traditional power electronics like Atrax Morgue and Dead Body Love and things of that nature. But anyway, um it's great. And on the other hand you have the body, which are like an industrial metal band from Rhode Island. So really this is like my East Coast dream team getting together. Um <laughs> and it feels is, like a proper collaboration. Like it, it is it, it really does. It's a beautiful combination of the two just consistently throughout. And they wrote the whole thing in the studio. No one came in with anything prepared, and they just wrote the entire thing in the studio and knocked it out in the middle of uh, doing a tour together. But um, it's incredible. It covers everything from, like, really beautiful, like, ethereal dance music to hard-hitting grindcore. There's a power electronics track or two in there, including, like, a harsh noise remake of The Butcher by Leonard Cohen, which was 
a super interesting choice and I wasn't sure how it was going to pair out, but in terms of like how it fits in the album and contextualization, it's, it's very beautiful. And, um, I don't know. It just, this covers so much ground and to see full of hell, like get finally release themselves from like that grinds core. Hey, I'm so angry guys, guys, I'm mad. And, like, really dive into that nihilistic sort of I-don't-fucking-care attitude of harsh noise. Like, um, it was just really nice. I think what sums up the album best is that one soundbite at the beginning of the second half of that woman. And she's like, sometimes anger is all humanity has to hold on to. And then it just goes into a noise wall. That's pretty much what this album is. It's just a 40-minute exploration of that point where anger just increases to the point of nihilism and just giving up on expressing emotion. I think that's a very dark and beautiful and interesting thing. I agree. My favorite part about that is is how well they combine the body's sludginess and full of hell's fast paced grindcore, you know, yeah, it fits well. It does, and it comes together very like power violency at points too. Yeah, which definitely. is which is super interesting. Because the last time I saw Full of Hell was at a A three eight nine fest with Weekend Nachos and Homewrecker. Oh, so so, good. so like amazing. I don't know to see that sort of like influence because I know a lot of them are big power violence bands and to sort of just like come through, you know, and bring that into their sounds while still yeah. expressing a lot of that, like, noise influence that they've always been into but haven't really explored too much outside of live shows was really awesome to finally see that translate into a proper record. And especially with The Body, who, like, live are 80%, like, improvised to noise and, like, 10% industrial music. It was just really really cool and i fanboyed out and it's so good anyway yeah we're running low on time my third pick is bottomless pit by death grips which is obviously a controversial opinion um, I'm, yeah, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry mom uh death grips is on my top album list it's really interesting, the uh, idea of this Death Grips 2.0 thing, uh, coming off, you know, of Jenny Death and releasing weird collabs with Les Claypool and stuff. But basically, <laughs> Death Grips is reformed, and they sort of brought that rawness and aggressiveness back of ex-military, but they kept the uh, really catchy hooks and the sort of, like, more... And the electronic foundation, yeah. ...production of the money store. So it just comes together with these really, this really beautiful combination of Death Grips, really hard-hitting, aggressive, noisier side of what they learned from, like, On the Moon and the rest of the powers that be, while still exploring and diving into the catchy hooks that created their breakout through the money store. It's not going to change your opinion on Death Grips if you don't like Death Grips, but it's just a phenomenally catchy and in-your-face album, and sometimes you just got to get noited. Yeah. You know, not not an argument, not an argument. Actually, this is a this is an agreement point. I uh, I do have to say that because the Money Store is actually a decent album, in my opinion. Like a great um, album. <laughs> Continue. Okay, but I'm not a Death Grips fan. Out of 10, <laughs> review it again. <laughs> so, so basically, I mean, coming uh, especially with like when you mentioned like the the, the catchier hooks that that are very re- re- reminiscent and like the 
you know, like the, the, the whole idea of like a little bit more of the poppy side, you know, of like the money store and stuff like that as poppy as death grips can get. But I mean, um, no, yeah, definitely. I actually do think that like they have memorable, you know, hooks because they are very well written and I will give them that. Hey, there we go. And that's the thing. When they try, they can make really good music, but sometimes they're like, let's just make our whole drum kit Bjork. Yeah. Which you say that like it's a yeah. bad thing. <laughs> oh, it isn't. Uh, <laughs> the Moon is actually my second favorite Death Grips album after Bottomless Pit. It's up there for me as well. I, I love it. All right. And let's wrap it up on that because we're getting down to the wire. Uh, blow, 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 blow. Death Grips forever. <laughs> Death Grips, <laughs> Anthony Fantasy, <laughs> forever. All right, on, on a serious note, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wall of Sound podcast, and we hope you got some awesome recommendations if you knew all these albums already. Well, we hope you agreed with it and you don't hate all of us and you still respect us as people and our opinions. If you want to keep up with us because you respect us so much or you hate us so much, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at spilt to bill like built to spill but the other way around. Eli is imaginary Eli. Uh, Matt is not on Twitter. I am. I you actually, are. I just got on Twitter because I wanted to be, I needed a space to be an old man yelling at a cloud. Yes. Um, you can find <laughs> me at Twitter. That's Twitter is my favorite thing ever. You can find me at the hat miles where I post quality, low budget memes. Mm. Speaking uh, of low budget memes, uh, Ben, 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 where, where can we find you on the tweetsters or wherever's? Dank meme salad. Dank meme, meme salad. salad. Yeah. Excellent. I forgot about Excellent. that one. Um, and and as always, you can check out old notes or the four of us are dying, or you can check out my personal SoundCloud. I have like, I'm Liam Brand, and I have a couple things up there. Or you can just keep on listening to the Wall of Sound podcast. Thank you. You can follow me on Twitch. Thank you. Don't follow him on Twitch. Come on. <laughs>